Welcome to the Fifth Year Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Part-Time Beverage. Part-Time Beverage's club special is a refreshing lemon-lime, ready-to-drink cocktail made with real vodka, and it is based off of Oklahoma's own club special. They have also introduced the Cape Cod. You can find both in liquor stores across Oklahoma. We have a fun episode ahead. Uh, we're excited to bring on Oklahoma State football beat writer Scott Wright of the Oklahoman. No one has a better pulse on Cowboy football than Scott. So we're excited to do a little team preview with him as fall camp rolls on. Uh, We're also going to discuss the preseason AP top 25, which was released yesterday, as well as Miles Brennan's decision to quit LSU football. All right, now on to the episode. You are looking live at the fifth year podcast with Parker Biggs, Zach Rooley, and Clint Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? These guys are the best with this podcast. Don't even think of making a wager on this upcoming season without checking in with Parker, Zach, and Clint. Take it away, guys. We are now joined by Scott Wright of the Oklahoman and State. Uh, mainly just football, or I, I know you cover some basketball stuff as well. A, a lot of things Oklahoma State athletics, but I yeah. uh, appreciate you joining us today, Scott. Absolutely. So I guess I'll get right into it. Um, you've, you've been to some fall practices. You, you see a little bit more than what goes on than the average fan anyways, at least for me. Um, getting into it, what's your biggest concern for this team and what's going to be the biggest challenge for them to replicate the success? Obviously, they're losing a lot on defense. Uh, that's, there's going to be regression there. It's just not possible to play at that same level again two years in a row. But what to you is the biggest concern for this team? Well, looking on the on the defensive side of the ball, the big question is at linebacker because they're losing so much there with with Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper onto the NFL. Um, you look at the guys that they're that they're bringing in are they're guys that they're excited about. They're guys that, that have athletic talent, and uh, in the case of Xavier Benson, a guy that has some actual Big Twelve experience at Texas Tech as a as a redshirt freshman back in 2019, but uh, at the same time. They, they just they haven't been on the field in this defense in the situations that they're going to be in uh, in this uh, in this coming season. So there's a lot of growth that's going to have to happen there. Um, you know, obviously, I know that there's uh, a, a lot of outward concern about the about the secondary because people look at it and say, oh, Jason Taylor's the only guy coming back. Uh, but Thomas Harper is a guy that even though he's a senior and hasn't really ever been a starter, is a, a guy that's played a lot in uh, in the previous three years. Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black are guys who got some really valuable experience down the stretch last year. Uh, you go look at, at the Fiesta Bowl tape, and they played a decent amount in that game and, and held their own really well. So, uh, you know, and then and then Kendall Daniels at the other the third safety spot is a guy that that is creating a lot of buzz right now in in preseason camp. Just a redshirt freshman, but a guy at, at six foot four that uh, that gets people really excited. So you look at the defense, I think that the, the, the linebacker is, is, is issue number one. Um, and, you know, you know, the defensive line is going to be solid. I think the secondary is going to be better than people expect. So a lot is going to come down to those linebackers. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think running back depth is the biggest concern above all, because we don't know what Dominic Richardson is going to be when he steps out there and has to carry the ball 18 times a game. And, you know, he's a physical runner. Uh, a punishing runner, uh, and and that's uh, that's a good fit for this offense. But 
they're going they're they're going to be moments when when he gets a little dinged up needs to come out of the game needs to catch his breath whatever it might be and they're going to have to have a couple of guys out of that group that step up and uh, and establish themselves as as capable running backs whether it's Jaden Nixon or maybe it's the transfer from Texas A&M DeAndre Jackson one of those true freshmen who came in in spring Ollie Gordon or or CJ Brown you just don't know who it's going to be out of that group of four that are that are going to rise to the top and be the guys that Mike Gundy and Casey Dunn feel like they can count on to hand them the ball in, on a Saturday in the fall. Yeah, it it feels like a lot of the time Gundy's a little hesitant to just throw true freshmen out there. So it'd be interesting to see how badly or or how things would be going to see Ollie Gordon get out there because obviously there's a lot of hype around him coming in. And then I mean Jaden Nixon got to run the ball last year too as a as a freshman and he he looked pretty good at times. He's more of a I guess would you call him a change of pace back compared to Dominic Richardson? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a he's a smaller guy at, at about 5'10", 185. Uh, he's definitely bulked up from a year ago and, and added some muscle that he thinks is going to help him. But but he's definitely a, a speed guy, uh, more elusive than Richardson is, where Richardson's a one cut and, uh, and get downhill type of guy that goes and seeks out punishment, seeks out defenders yeah. to, to hit. Uh, Nixon is is more the guy that's uh, that's going to try to disappear and and uh, and and hide himself behind linemen and and pop through a crease and and then try to make a big play. Do you see a scenario? Um, and Parker, feel free to interject if you have any questions. But I don't want to take over as the only OSU person on this podcast. But yeah, that's all right. Um, do you guys or Scott? Do you see a scenario where Spencer Sanders ends up leading this team in, in carries? In carries, hmm, that's or, uh, that's or, a really or good in or in yards, just because it feels like there's a chance this could be totally by committee. And there is some lack of experience behind Spencer. So I think they'll be a little more hesitant to run him, but he is effective as a runner. So, yeah, he is. And, and you look at, at some of the best games of his career, um, you know, it's easy to point back to the Fiesta Bowl and, and point out that he rushed for 125 yards in that game. Uh, but a lot of the best games of his career, he's been really effective running the ball. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's going to be, a number of games this year where where he might end up being the guy that, that leads them in in either carries or yards uh, over the over the span of the season. I don't think he's going to get uh, enough to, to be at that level uh, because they are going to protect him when they can. If you know if, if they don't need to rush him 10 times against uh, against Arizona State, they're not they're not going to do it. So, um, you know, they're uh, they're going to be cautious and protect him when they can. And uh, but but they know that they've got to uh, they've got to let him be himself to to get the full effect of Spencer Sanders and, and what he's capable of on the football field. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go ahead, Parker. I was just going to say, uh, obviously, Spencer Sanders is the guy, uh, the QB one. But, you know, he hasn't necessarily stayed healthy in the last couple of years. Guys have had to come in um, and spot him at times. How's the uh, backup quarterback situation um, shaping out? That is uh, is kind of the um, the uh, the underlying most important thing of camp because, like you said, Sanders has, has he's missed at least one game every season. He's missed essentially seven games over the course of his career, uh, whether it's been uh, injuries or last year with a COVID issue in the season opener. So it's really important that they have one of those guys, whether it's Gunnar Gundy, who's a redshirt freshman or Garrett Rangel, who is a true freshman who arrived in spring. Um, they've got to have one of those two guys ready to go because there's a good chance that one of them could end up being in a, a situation being asked to go win a game like Shane Illingworth was 
uh, over the last couple of years, or like Drew Brown was uh, the year before that. So there, there's the definite possibility that one of those guys is going to be in a really meaningful situation at some point this season. So they've got to have those guys ready. So it's a, it's a really good competition. It's just a question of, of how close to being ready for a game are those two guys. Uh, so I'm going to guess that first depth chart is going to say Gunnar Gundy or Garrett Rangel. There's no way we're going to have a definitive answer as to who the backup is week one. Oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right with that. There's uh there's, uh, you know, Gundy will down, Mike Gundy will downplay it when, uh, you know, whenever we ask him about it at that point, because once the uh, depth chart comes out, everybody's going to want to talk about it. Um, he'll downplay it at that point. Um, you know, he's done this before with, uh, with, with backups. You can go back to, uh, um, you know, even uh, uh, Brandon Whedon and Alex Kate back when, uh, when, when Brandon, we or when, uh, when Zach Robinson was the starter. So, um, you know, he's, he's not afraid to, uh, to downplay a, a backup quarterback situation and act like it's not a big deal, but, um, you know, there comes a point when uh, when they might have to make a decision and it'll be very interesting to see which way they go. Yeah, and it, it's funny you bring up Whedon. I think Gundy's quoted in saying Brandon wasn't a good practice player. That's why he was the third string. Originally. <laughs> so it's kind of it's just kind of like, all right, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. It, he's in a tough spot, too, mainly because one of the kids that would have to play is his own son. Right. It's, it's, it's a really tricky spot. And, and he's been really open. Mike has in talking about the, the challenges that Gunner faces being his kid in practice and uh, you know, how he kind of, how Mike tries to, to stay out of it and, uh, and not get too involved, let Tim Rattay coach the quarterbacks and, and do his thing. And um, you know, you know, Mike will, uh, uh, will make his contributions when, uh, when he feels he needs to, but he mostly tries to, to stay out of it and, and let the, uh, let the, uh, the competition run its course. What year is Gundy, Gunner Gundy? He is uh, technically a redshirt freshman. He uh, he actually sat out a uh, a season and uh, and reclassified a year later. Mm. Uh, he would be a a redshirt sophomore at this point, but um, but because of uh, just kind of the situation uh, that he knew he was coming into at Oklahoma State, he felt it would be better to uh, to sit out a year try to uh, to bulk up a little bit because he wasn't always the biggest guy uh, but he's up over 200 pounds now and um, you know did some some things that were uh, that were helpful to get him ready for for this level gunner gundy there's a there's a third one i believe who's a sophomore junior in high school but he's he's a big kid i think he's like six three something like that over well over 200 pounds yes. but he plays yeah. quarterback too yes gage gundy he is uh, uh, maybe the most athletic out of the three gundy boys so um, yeah, he's the, he's the last one. Uh, he is about six, three and, uh, also a really good baseball player could have a future on, uh, in that sport. Talking about Garrett Rangel, he was an early enrollee. Um, everything I've seen says he's, he, th he throws it pretty well. He's, he's a bigger kid, more of a, not like a Rudolph or an Illingworth, but he's, he's slightly, he's not a true dual threat. Would you say he's, he's more of a, he wants to be in the pocket, but he can move. Um, are there any other freshmen? Uh, you mentioned Kendall Daniels. He's a redshirt freshman, highly recruited kid. Talon Shetron's been getting rave reviews so far. Are there any other freshmen that we might not know or that have looked really, really good to camp so far? You know, um, you mentioned Ollie Gordon. He was uh, he was the guy that, that generated so much buzz back in, in spring. 
Um, we'll see, you know, he had that, that shoulder injury in, in the spring finale and, uh, you know, we'll see where, uh, where things shake out for him. Uh, but I know, uh, I know that, uh, as a group, they're, they're really excited about both those freshman running backs and, and they both popped in and made some plays, uh, Braylon Presley, Brennan's little brother is, uh, boy, he looks tiny up there on the, on the football field. Uh, he even, he even looks tiny standing next to Brennan. So, uh, so that gives you an idea of, of what you're, what you're dealing with, but, uh, but his his speed is uh, is unmatched, and he's going to find a way to uh, to make some plays. He's had a hit. He's popped with a couple of big ones uh, in camp already. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, there haven't been a lot of guys that have uh, that have really stepped to the forefront. Uh, there, uh, you know, even though there's there are there are starting spots open for competition. Uh, there aren't a lot of uh, of opportunities really for a young guy to uh, to break through because there are guys that have been. Um, you know, on uh, on campus for a few years, even even looking at, at at Kendall Daniels and what he's doing to 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 fight for that safety spot. You know, he's beating out a uh, most likely a redshirt senior in Sean Michael Flanagan, a guy that's, uh, that's played a lot of special teams and and been in some backup roles throughout his career. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's the uh, the depth that they've built is uh, is really pretty solid, and um, you know that's uh, that's the important thing as they uh, as they go forward. To uh, to not be in a situation where a guy like Shetron has to be forced into a role like like all those true freshman receivers were last year, um, you know. But now they've got those guys that are all sophomores, and um, you know. Plus you got Presley back at, at the slot. You got Braden Johnson who's healthy, Langston Anderson who's healthy, guys that have been around. So um, they don't have to force a young guy like him into a a key role. They can let him develop a little more slowly and 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 find his footing as a college football player. Going back to the uh, defense, defense side of the ball, um, we know what Malcolm Rodriguez did on the field, but obviously he was, you know, kind of a leader in that locker room too. There's obviously plenty of talent, um, older talent with, you know, Colin Oliver, Trace Ford, uh, Brock Martin, but is there a certain player amongst that bunch or maybe another guy completely that stepped up into a, a leadership role or more of a leadership role this uh, off season? Uh, you know, when you look across the defensive line, there are, there are so many veteran guys that it's it's hard for hard for a young guy to uh, to really become a a leader type, um, but I mean a lot of a lot of people do look to Colin Oliver because of what he's accomplished on the field and, and uh, you know having Trace Ford back in the mix it's uh, it's a situation where they uh, you know they understand what he has meant to this team uh, over the last three years so um, but uh, but for the most part uh, it's still Brock Martin. Uh, you know, Brendan Evers at defensive tackle, Tyler Lacey at the other defensive end are the guys that are uh, are the true leaders of this group. And uh, and not just uh, it's not just a, a vocal thing. It's uh, it's about their actions on the field as well. So uh, they uh, they are the guys that are uh, the foundation of, of what this defensive line is built on. So uh, they're the guys that, that everybody relies on. Yeah. And couple more here for you the, to flip it the offensive line um there's concern I always have concerns I know they they feel like they're deeper this year but the past couple of years you know they they get down into the numbers game and it's it's all of a sudden we don't have enough bodies and guys are having to play positions they've never played before stuff like that and it kind of came back to bite them a little bit in that Baylor and the Big 12 championship game not having the starting center and having to shuffle guys around how do they feel about the offensive line I know they're probably saying great but based on what you've seen, how did how does that unit look? 
right now they've, they've got seven guys that they think are, are really capable first team guys. Um, you know, you obviously, depending on, you know, who gets injured, it could change the whole dynamic of things. Then that's when you have to start, you know, moving a guy from right tackle to left, left tackle or, uh, or doing those kinds of things. And, and that's when it, when it gets hectic. So um, they really like, uh, they really like a group of seven, maybe eight guys that, uh, that they feel are capable of, of competing well at this level. So, um, you know, that's, uh, it, it's not incredible depth, but I think it's better than, uh, than where they were a year ago, where they were uh, a little unsure of what exactly was going to happen with some guys. You know, you go back to that first game and, and they were talking about Taylor Materko and Kayla BTN, uh, you know, battling for that left tackle spot. And by week three, it was Cole Birmingham who had been the right guard uh, the first two weeks. So, um, you know, it was, uh, you could tell at that point that they weren't very settled with that group. And I think they're in a lot better situation uh, with who their, uh, their starters are going to be and, uh, and the level that they can compete at. Now, I, I don't feel like they, that they're completely comfortable with a, uh, an entire second unit that they, that if they, you know, were to run those guys out there, uh, but they have, I think enough guys and enough versatility that they, that they like where they're at right now. Obviously you, you get three guys hurt and, and it really cuts into your depth quick on the offensive line. So, um, you know, and, and, and part of it is they've, they've got to learn what they've got in a couple of transfers who came in in the, in the summer, Casey Collier from USC, Jason Brooks from Vanderbilt. Um, you know, they, uh, those guys have some college experience, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know what they're going to be like on, on Saturdays when, uh, when, when the bullets are live. What are Gundy's thoughts on the transfer portal? I'm sure he's said something at some point or another. I haven't heard <laughs> he it. He loves it. <laughs> Uh, he, um, you know, it was, it was interesting. I'll go back to, uh, to last December when he, he made one really unique and unexpected change in his view of the transfer portal in that he had had some, some players come to him and say that they wanted to transfer and he offered them the opportunity to stay with the team through the bowl game. And uh, that was something that, uh, that he had never done before. Uh, typically when a guy wants to go in the portal, that's uh, that's it. They're done. And, you know, he had had some guys that came to him on transfer and, and he let them hang out and, and compete and go and go play in that bowl game. And uh, I think that was uh, a really important sign in understanding that that Gundy is is becoming more accepting of where things are with the transfer portal and how it's uh, how it, I you know, I think if you if you force him to tell you exactly what he thought he would tell you that he does not like it. He thinks it's bad for college football, but he understands that his, uh, his not liking it doesn't change the fact that people are going and coming on the transfer portal. So he's got to use it uh, as best he can. And, you know, you go back to when, uh, when the graduate transfer rule was put in uh, a few years ago before the, 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 the portal really became a thing. Oklahoma state was one of the first programs to really start, embracing those bad transfers. Yeah. They had a lot of those guys come in and, uh, and become impact players. So um, they've, uh, they, Mike Gundy understands the value, even if he doesn't, uh, doesn't fully like what it's done to, uh, to change college football. I feel like he's been as much as I sometimes hate saying it, he's been pretty spot on with how, with, 
like when he called something, I remember at the beginning when all this, st- when college football truly started evolving portal wise, he said, you know, it's going to be an issue um, with how many kids are going in the portal. There's not enough spots. Mm-hmm. So now I think he called anytime he's asked about it. He's like, look, we need more scholarships to be able to offer. They need to up the limit of scholarships. Otherwise, why would we take an 18 year old versus a kid who's already played two years of college football, which is, I think most coaches think that way. So um he's not I, I it doesn't seem like he's like totally anti but his tr- if you put yeah if you put the truth serum in him he's gonna say it sucks which i think most coaches would say yeah oh yeah, yeah i think so yeah i think well, another think... recruiting cycle for him yeah exactly, exactly. And, you, and you're recruiting your own players to stay too is the other brutal yeah part. yeah i've got one one more question and then we'll get your uh, your take on the outlook for the season but who do you think ends up crowded receiver room a lot of young guys got experience last year i'm kind of been leaning Jaden bray i think is going to be the guy that steps up who do you think ends up as as the number one receiver this year this is a a really interesting question i've been trying to talk to a lot of people to actually write a story about this and and gather for a story and it's been really difficult because because so many you know you talk to to spencer sanders or, or or mike gundy and and they're real quick to say you know Oh, it depends how defense is playing us, you know, whether we're going to go inside or outside, uh, you know, all those, all those different things. And they, and they kind of play it off that way. Um, you know, I mean, Brennan Presley is the, the most accomplished receiver that they've, that they've got, but it's been, it's been 10 years since they've had a slot receiver lead them in receiving. It's always been an outside guy. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I think Bray is an excellent answer, but I'm going in a different direction. I think that Braden Johnson is going to be the guy that has sort of the uh, sort of the Tay Martin um, um, revelation throughout uh, uh, throughout his final season, and uh, and really puts everything together and becomes the the, uh, the guy that has that that great final season before he goes and tries to to make it in the NFL. Is it the X or the Z that like Tylen and James Washington played? Because that's typically, I believe, the first read of of Smith. That's what every play is designed to, to my understanding. Yes, the to Z. That guy. And that's, okay, uh, and that's where Braden is playing right now. Okay, so I, mm. I might change my answer to Braden Johnson then. <laughs> Knowing how the offense works, I think I'm going to go with Braden Johnson. Right. <laughs> I do have one question before we get into the prediction of the season. I like asking anyone who comes on this, but uh, <clears throat> what have you heard? Just talking conference realignment for osu's sake specifically and heard anything or still just totally up in there like pretty much everything is yeah it it, it absolutely is in terms of, of of anything solid um obviously if oklahoma state could find their way into the sec that's uh, that's the the ideal opportunity at this point because the the dollar figure is just so much bigger there um that said a lot of people in stillwater are very confident in Brett Yormark and what he has the capabilities of doing with the Big 12, getting them into a, a more marketable position, uh, you know, whether it's uh, another expansion beyond what they've already added or, uh, uh, or just, um, you know, buckling down and, and, and going to market with the, uh, the, the teams that they've got right now. So uh, there's, a, there's a definite confidence in the type of person uh, that Brett Yormark is and, uh, you know, what he's going to be able to do uh, from a salesmanship standpoint uh, with the Big 12. It's, uh, it's such a different um, perspective than what a guy like, like Bob Bowlesby or, or anybody that's, that's come up through the academic ranks 
uh, and athletic ranks to uh, to you know such a different perspective that uh, that Brett Yormark brings. So um, a lot of confidence in uh, in him there. So I mean, if I if I had to pick, I'm, I'm I really think that it's uh, SEC or Big Twelve are are the uh, the places that Oklahoma State is is most comfortable and uh, and would be most excited about. It feels like a lot of us fans have also kind of settled into the mindset of. We don't need to, I mean, like, obviously, if the SEC calls and asks us to join, we do that. But otherwise, it's it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to stay put um, from a football perspective anyways. For sure. It's a position you feel like, not we can dominate, but program prestige-wise compared to the Baylors. And, I mean, Baylor and Texas Tech, I guess, are your two biggest concerns at that point from a football point of view. But Right. And if and if you go out and add a, a, you know, two, four, six programs from – uh, from what's left of the Pac-12 and uh, and really strengthen yourself and, and become, uh, you know, you're not going to be the Big Ten of the SEC, but you can be a, a really solid number three yep. in, uh, in in the power rankings of college football. Yep. Well, we'll get you. Parker, you don't have anything. Clint, do you have another question? No, nope. we've co- covered my, uh, my questions. Perfect. Scott, get you out here on this one what is the record for for the cowboys if you're into that sort of thing what do you how do you think things shake up for them uh you know um i'm really bad at this i've i've, I've never been very good at uh, i'm horrible at this it's okay <laughs> it's very good. hard it's very hard to do <laughs> it, it is because you know um you know last year was a little bit different but uh, but with oklahoma state traditionally there's always a game or two that they're not supposed to win, they pop up and win. And there's a, a, usually a game that they're not supposed to lose that they go and draw. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you can really say that last year, Iowa state was a, uh, was a really tough environment and, and uh, they were obviously really close to coming back and, and pulling that one out. And then, uh, you know, the big 12 title game was, was, was kind of a toss up going in. And I, I told the, them was, Iowa state, I was like, that one didn't feel like the normal letdown loss. Like we played yeah. good and we, and we just got beat. And then the big 12 game, I've never been cocky or confident before an OSU football game. That's the one time I walked into a stadium being like, we're going to beat the brakes off these guys. And of course it went the wrong way, but. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, with, with all that said, I, I think that this is a 10 win team. I really do. I think with the experience they've got, and the the consistency that Spencer Sanders is beginning to play with at this point in his career, I think that they go in uh, and win ten games. Uh, you know, the defense is not going to be as good, but I think the offense is going to be better. And I think that they're going to put themselves in the mix at least for another Big Twelve championship shot. Do you think it's the same three teams as last year in the running with Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Oklahoma? I do. It's uh, it's it's really interesting because when the uh, the preseason poll first came out and Baylor was picked number one. I was like, I, I don't really buy into this. I mean, obviously Oklahoma State fans know Blake Shapin really well. Is is seventeen straight completions in the Big Twelve title game, but um, you know he, that's that's about all that he's done at at the college level. And um, I wasn't fully buying in. And, and then as I've been been doing some research over the uh, the last few days, uh, looking at what they've got on the offensive line, what they've got on the defensive line. Uh, you know, they 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 are in really good shape uh, on both of those spots, and they've got some other talent, uh, you know, spread around as well. So, um, I, I I'm more convinced over over the last few days that, that Baylor is is legitimately in the mix for this thing. Uh, but I do I think it comes down to OU, OSU, and Baylor for sure. I would love for one to have a Bedlam Big Twelve title before the oh yeah Sooners uh, exit. That'd be the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
I have an idea of how it ends, so I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, unfortunately, I don't think I would like the ending either. But You won't go into that game cocky, huh? I, I've never gone into a game cocky against the Sooners in my life. They're always <laughs> the most pessimistic. I, I walk in and I was like, oh, what's going to happen today? The only time I've ever been super, super confident. I was pretty confident last year. I was looking at, I like watching football last year. I was like, I think we're legitimately better for this. So when yeah. we spotted, when OSU, I say we, when we spotted OU, nine points or whatever it was to start the second half. I'm like, here we go again. This is team shooting itself in the foot. We are better. This should not be a close game. And then we turned it on. And then the Taylor Cornelius year, I wasn't confident we were going to win. I was insanely confident we would cover 21 and a half points. I thought that was disrespectful. And they did. (laughs) That was an insane game, actually. Yeah. Incredible game. Yeah. Nearly won it, too. Is that the two point conversion? With a minute to go and hand the ball to Kyler Murray, so it's hard to say. But yeah, yeah. even yeah, even if we get it there, it's 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 K one, and that what you guys called them K one versus our defense, which at the time was not what it currently is um, looked as. But yeah, is what it is. All right. Well, Scott, we really appreciate you hopping on. This was great. Uh, For those that don't follow Scott on Twitter already, Scott, what's your uh, Twitter handle? I am Scott Wright. Okay. Easy to find me. And uh, I tweet out all my uh, links, to all my stories and, uh, and, and other, uh, other coverage. So, uh, so any Oklahoma state fans out there, follow along. Thank you, Scott. That was a great interview. Uh, now let's uh, get into uh, the weeds of college football a little bit more. Uh, AP poll released this week. And that is usually the time of year. Like when you know, like we are, we are close, right? So this is yeah. the ranking that shows up on the scoreboard week week yeah. one, right? Yeah. AP yep. is what's yeah. on the scoreboard till the playoff rankings are out. Uh, no surprise at number one, obviously. Nope. <laughs> that was. Are there any names that stood out or teams that stood out to you? Notre Dame at five stood out to me a little bit. Um, that is interesting. I would have expected. I just don't. I see a huge gap after these top three teams. You could go any of those next. Four, th- I think you can make an argument like four through twelve or thirteen. They're all the same team. Yeah, you could you can mix and match. You can make mm-hmm. an argument for Oklahoma State at six, and you can make an argument for Michigan at twelve or thirteen. I mean, like I don't see you pick and you choose um, on these three: Georgia, Bama, Ohio State. Clear separation. I don't really have an issue with anything. Um, I I would have Utah higher than seven. Um, I would have Utah probably at four. I think they – You're thinking big year from the Utes this year, huh? I mean, they've got Davion Thomas back at running back, Cam Rising at quarterback. Uh, Whittingham's defenses are always really good. I mean, they're just so physical. Um, they've kind of run the Pac-12 the last couple of years. I, it, it's already – this is the highest they've ever been ranked in a preseason poll. Thoughts so. on Southern California at 14? Too I'm high, too low, no. properly rated. I, I would have maybe a little lower. I think it's I think it's fine though. I mean, yeah, when you have Caleb Williams, who's a top three quarterback in the country, and you have Lincoln Riley, who's an offensive mastermind, they brought in a lot of weapons. Um, you know, on offense, especially Travis Dye from Oregon, uh, Rice from Colorado, help on the offensive line, brought guys on defense. I mean, in the transfer portal, portal, portal era, I think you can put together a respectable team. And the key is the quarterback position. And when you have someone that's as good as Caleb Williams, um, he can carry him um, pretty far. Hey, the, the three three of the four new Big 12 people. Yeah. The list. Yeah, no, you have the, you have the Big 12. Then uh, 
Big 12 newcomers section there at the bottom since 23, yeah. Houston 24 and BYU 25. Um, Interesting but, yeah. to see Wake Forest without Sam Hartman there still being ranked. I didn't, I, I wonder if that impacted their ranking. Like, were they higher up until a week and a half ago? I bet they were. Them? I bet you some, I bet you, you had it's probably some people didn't tinker with the rankings and others probably did. I would assume they would have been higher than um, others receiving votes. Texas. Thank God they weren't on there. They're close though. They're 27th if you go by the others receiving votes. So I just yeah, what, a, a week one win we'll have them in. Was yeah, the co- coaches poll with one number one vote and they're not in the yeah. top 25? They're like ranked 17th or 14th or something in the coaches poll, and which ranked. is wild because those are their peers. Like those are the people yeah. Who are probably well, no, the coaches just don't give a shit and just. Yeah, I, I think they have like a grad assistant fill out the ranking. So does every D one coach have a vote or is it? Number five. I don't think. I so. think they can if they want to. I just think most. Most don't. Sure. I think like thirty or forty. Coaches. So, it it's got to be Sarkeesian or his G. No, he doesn't or, vote. He doesn't vote. You can't you can't and you can't. I don't think you can. Well, yeah, you, you could can. Vote. No, you no, you can. He but he doesn't have a vote. People were throwing around names like, I think they think it was Coach over, Saban. I so guess some he, thought Saban. Some thought maybe like um, I think they played UTSA this year, so it could have been Jeff Trailer. Uh, Someone uh, plays him and is trying to hype him up a little bit, you know, uh, huh. Lafayette or Monroe. Uh, Wait, so why can't Sarkeesian vote? He can't. I would assume he killed. He just doesn't. Oh, he's not, okay. he's not a voter. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Venables votes. Just some coaches choose not to. Yeah. Um, some fun tidbits though that I found um, via the Athletic. Um, Bama ranked first in the AP poll for the ninth time. Second, uh, second only to OU. Yep. And, but what's interesting, and I, I'd heard, I knew it was some sort of trend like this. Alabama has only won one title under Saban when they started the year number one, and that was 2017. That's very so, interesting. But they've like also, that. I think they've won, like each year they didn't win it, they won it the next year, I think is like the other trend. Yeah, it's insane. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that throw away your Bama futures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 well i hope nobody's doing that because i don't i mean what you said it's kind of like they're due so yeah i think also clemson at four might be even a little more brazen than is, is clemson five. good they lost their defensive coordinator their quarterback struggled a lot last they year. lost their offensive coordinator <laughs> they lost I, the I acc the, that's I why. about the tigers i mean i get it when you have one bad year and like a 10-year run you could kind of yeah Make an but, Alabama, that it but like but, Alabama doesn't have bad years like Clemson right, last year, right. you know? Yeah, no, that's a that Clemson team last year in the SEC is probably, or even probably like the Big 12 or Big 10, it's probably like a seven, eight win team. Um, but they ended up winning nine or 10. I think they got to 10 and finished, yeah, French top 10. The defense was still really good. I the defense was insane. Are maybe the best really in the good. country? Yeah, it was still their offense was just horrible. I doubt if DJ plays at all. Like he did last season, that uh, Kubelik or whatever, that five star freshman is going to end up. Yeah, no, I was about to say they have like actual options behind him this year mm-hmm. from what I've seen. DJ, so. I don't, I don't see it. Although, did you see he did lose a ton of weight? <laughs> it kind of reminds he, me of Jalen Hurts. You know, no, he's much bigger, dude. He's like six. six. He's enormous. Oh, really? I think he yeah. said he weighed like 260 or 270 no. last year. And, and he played baseball in high school, too, and probably could have gotten drafted in that. He, I think he sits like 95, 96 from the right side pitching. Mm-hmm. He looks he like a pitcher. He just played baseball because he was good at it. I don't. I think, to my knowledge, but he's he's freaking giant. I think he might even be six seven. That could be a stretch. Hmm. I know he's six six though. He's fucking big, big boy, thick boy. Let's find that out. Um, besides that, 
I'm calling Michigan uh, to underwhelm big time. You know, they lose Gaddis. They lose two, three elite guys on that even side of the ball. Um, it took a historically bad Ohio State defense to for lose. Michigan to finally get over that hump in the Big Ten. So I think they're maybe a little overrated. Um, I'm surprised Arkansas is as low as 19. I think that, you know, they return a lot. Defense should be solid. KJ Jefferson's back. Uh, they lose Burks, but uh, I think maybe some of Arkansas's rating is just ranking is just looking at their schedule. And which I don't think that's how you should rank a team, but I'm surprised they're down there at 19. Um, Miami, are they high because of the new coach and Tyler Van Dyke? Is that why people like them so much? I, yeah. I'm still always that's got, yeah. like Van Dyke's a really good though. Yeah. Um, well, DJ is listed as six four on the roster, so he's bigger than that. I'm a little bit of a boost he, there. No, but. it's not. He's bigger than that. <laughs> the roster always lies. Everybody does that. Oh yeah, know, the roster always down. makes them shorter, hey. doesn't it? Exactly. When McMurphy told us he was voting for Nebraska in his uh, top 25, I didn't anticipate he would be the only voter that voted for Nebraska. Hey, at least he's true to his word. Yeah. 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 Um, Our good friend, Brett. We can say that now. Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Brett McMurphy. Yeah. But I love the AP top 25. It fires me up when it comes out. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, there's not that much, much to take from them. That much closer. Yeah. Exactly. We're – what, uh, like 10 days from week zero? Or Do they play Thursday of week zero? No, I don't think so. I think it's just Saturday. That would be fun. While we're, while we're futuring the season, next week will be our season preview futures. So yeah. tune in next week. We'll give out our futures and all that stuff. Potentially and we, two episodes. And I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to give out week zero bets as well. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and knock that it's out. It's here, boys. It's here. Yeah. I like, can't believe it. What if it didn't come? It just like. Time COVID. We never got oh my god. Monkeypox. No. No, I'm knocking on wood. I shouldn't even say yeah, that. Yeah, why'd you even say that? <laughs> One school I would throw in that, that I would have ranked that's not even really close to being ranked um is Kansas State. Yeah. Yeah. How many the amount of hype they've been getting, I'm kind of surprised they weren't. They seem to be like the, the sleeper pick. It's so mm-hmm. wild to me that they didn't get any first place big 12 votes, yet they had eight first team players or whatever yeah. it was. Six. It's like so what and then OU had not a single or they, a punter was our only first team. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't that doesn't add up. If you think OU is the best team, you gotta think they some of their players the are players. the best players in the league. Yeah, so exactly mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. I know. Uh, let's let's move on to a topic. I know Zach's been uh, excited to talk about uh, Miles Brennan, the uh, NIL man uh, for LSU, six year senior. Uh, I guess found out he wasn't going to be the uh, starter for the Tigers this year and. Uh, Calls it quits, but takes a bag with him. Yeah, he had three, like, giant, relatively giant NIL deals. Like, Raisin Canes, I think, was one of them. And he just doesn't – since these aren't performance-based, he just keeps all the money. And that those organizations are just SOL when it comes to Miles Brennan. Um, I guess he still has a following on Instagram, but the, the kind of the point is to have the starting quarterback at Louisiana State be the yeah. person posting pictures, not some guy who quit. So at some point there's going to be some player for like, you know, an OU or an Auburn or somewhere that, that is takes a bag from wherever they're playing and ends up transferring to their rival and is still on the, on the books for uh, an NIL deal. Like what about this Tennessee quarterback that's getting paid 8 million? Is he the like incoming it, it, first? Yeah. Thing? Like, is that just guaranteed money? Like, is he, could he 
I would assume at some point could you just transfer and that money is, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe after it's voidable after a year, if you train, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they write it. They'll start writing it into the contracts. Like yeah. if you transfer it's void. It, it's, it's a weird deal. Um, I would assume this will make like some organizations a little more hesitant on who they just throw money at. Uh, I don't know if like Miles Brennan retire, retiring, being like the biggest um, shockwave possible for like the negative of NIL for these companies, but it's, it's not insignificant. I don't think. Cause he's the first like real name we've heard of somebody just quitting with all these NIL deals signed and he had a decent amount of them. So it would be yeah. funny if he was just off the football team and he's like, gets out of class. I got to go to a raising cane shoot. He's just st- still doing the NIL stuff. Without well, playing football. I would assume that he'll have to still hold, you know, his end of the deal, which yeah, but that's hilarious. Is NIL can <laughs> this is I don't even know. I randomly thought of this, but can regular students sign NIL deal NIL deals oh, yeah, or yeah, really? I mean, it's not it's not a name image likeness deal, but I mean, if you're not a student athlete. Anyone can. That's true. Know, yeah, just a rant. It just doesn't happen because hmm. me and you don't bring any value to raising games. You don't know that Miles Brennan might still be. <clears throat> Clint eats a lot of raisin canes. I love raisin canes. I'll be their spokesperson in a heartbeat. No freebies. <laughs> All right. Any? Uh, is there anything else we want to uh, to touch on uh, before we run? Yeah, I wish real quick. I wish we had knowledge of what's gone down in that meeting. Um, the PGA oh, tour, yeah. PGA tour, like all hands on deck, players only meeting with Jay Monahan. Um, Tiger, Tiger flew in for it. Did you see that walk to the car? Gosh, yeah, he didn't he's look bad. He didn't look, yeah, he didn't look great, but I yeah, spend, he, I spend zoned it. Ricky's there with him. Ricky's going nowhere. The king is back. He, uh, he was gonna make the cut. The king, like nine. Tiger, or yeah, Ricky? Ricky and Ricky made a nine on his 18th hole, uh, or his 54th hole of competition Saturday afternoon, and he had to finish top 10 to keep the season going. I think a lot of people look at Ricky and like, he stinks. He's playing bad. He played a lot better at the end of the year. I think he's going to turn around next season. He actually not- played pretty well this week, too. Yeah. He just had a yeah. nine on a, on a par. Four yeah, and that five. totally derailed his entire uh, weekend. But He was in the tournament until that hole. Yeah. So glad to see Ricky's more than likely going to stay. Maybe his friendship with Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Um, he realized he doesn't want to sour those things, and he, he made the right call. Or the, that's the way it seems anyway. And then Cam Smith. Uh, withdrew this week. I guess he can still win the money without playing this week, right? Like he gets That's to finish first. Something feels off there. I don't necessarily believe that this was his. I would. I wouldn't be uh, shocked if he's not playing in Atlanta for the uh, at East Lake for the Tour Championship. I mean, yeah. It just the whole thing's been fishy since he won the the Open. Yeah. Yeah. We'll who who are you guys? Who are the golfers that you think no chance goes to live? You think Spieth, JT, Rory, Tiger, Rory will die. Rory will die before. Yeah. What about Scheffler? Yeah, I don't see him. I don't see Spieth. I don't see Zalatoris. See, don't Um, you think that if none of those golfers go, then the PGA is fine? Hey, yes and no. It just I I'm more worried about like the fans, like watching golf as a whole. Because if watching Sunday, I didn't watch uh, any of that golf tournament. I mean, I followed who was winning. I didn't watch any of it till the playoff Sunday. The playoff Sunday was very, very entertaining. Like arguably one of the most entertaining weekends of the year. And it was Sepp Straka versus Will Zalatoris. Yeah. Well, the yeah. top besides Zalatoris, the top of that leaderboard was insanely uh Me, like weak. names like JJ Spawn was in the lead yeah. the entire week. And it's like, but watching Sunday afternoon, like Liv will not ever 
to, in my opinion, be able to replicate like what was going on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. They just don't, they don't have it. Like there's no juice in it. Like we know why those guys are playing like Zal Torres. We know why he plays. He's never won an event and he had to grind his butt off yeah. all day Sunday to make it happen as bad as he was trying to mess it up. Like He's so good. Yeah. Like it, 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 not saying it means more, but it does. It means a lot. Well, have you seen also, did you see in the live, you know, we might've, might've talked about this last week in the live, um, and they were in court last week. Yeah. And they said something was brought, their attorney said that the players are not making money, additional money off of these tournament winnings, implying that they're just taking it out of their pool of money when they give right, it to them. Right. Which is the opposite of what they've been saying the whole time. So maybe it was a slip up by the attorney and he wasn't supposed to say that. Maybe it was a mistake and he was wrong. But that seems like something that an attorney wouldn't just not know or i think most of the stars though clint like john rom like those types of guys i feel like they would have gone by now now cam smith that's a little different different story i guess but um i feel like if rom or one of those guys was going to go it would have already happened you know who's been taking shot after shot at uh sharky is uh uh, old bang bang freddie couples yeah fred couples what he said nobody's liked him for 25 years or 30 years so yeah I did see last thing on live. Uh, <clears throat> I can't remember where I saw it, but did you guys hear about the the winnings that it's something about there's like a certain limit that you can't get your winning amount until you've reached that certain limit. So like, for example, let's say Phil has a hundred million dollar like purse. He can't get that hundred million or let's say 10 million until he wins 10 million total. Yeah, no, That's what we were just talking about, which is, means that that guaranteed money they're not one if that's the case they're not getting it up front like yeah some have implied yeah and two it's just one lump sum of money they're not getting anything for actually winning tournaments they just gotta right. play more tournaments yeah like, because the last gets like 150 grand could, so it's if, like if that's really what's going on phil it could take him years to get to that yeah you know 120 10 times a year is only a million bucks like he'll never get to that. Yeah. Someone like it's probably different with Phil. Phil probably does have. I wouldn't be surprised if his money's guaranteed. But with other yeah. guys, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Weird deal. That's all I got, though. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was a fun episode. Once again, thank you, Scott Wright, for joining us. Man, we are close. Uh, next week we'll be getting ready for week zero. So as always, uh, subscribe below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, like, rate, subscribe if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Follow us at Fifth Year Podcast on all forms of social media. And uh, have a good week.